Ow. Hey guys, good morning and welcome back to an episode of Folgers and Backless, the mid-morning solo cipher. It's a girl, you are truly will be red. Wishing everyone a merry Monday. I hope your weekend was great. May your week be blessed. May the most healthiest, prosperous, beautiful roads be open to you. It's the week of the full flower blood moon. Um... Yeah, energy is going to be high. I hope you guys are focused, utilize it to the best of your abilities, and shaping your best existence. <laughs> okay. I want to have some fun today. I want to keep my word today. I was saying um, a lot last week that <laughs> I'm going to get my little list together. Mm. and run through some of my favorite sayings. And I've done it. <coughs> um, but those who are not regular listeners, my bad, y'all, this blunt is hit. <coughs> Draw that to choke. <coughs> my whole esophagus is tingling. Still a choking fit coming. I'm trying to work through it, y'all. But um, <coughs> for the non-regular listeners, and hi, thanks for trying to tune in. Um, I love the same for the regular listeners. Y'all already know. I'm Odie Witchy. I love rums. I love um things that stick. You know what I'm saying? Messages sometimes come across bland or too direct or sometimes they can be taken personally. No matter, it's never what you say. It's always how you say it. And more importantly, (coughs) than how you're saying it, we always must consider who's receiving it. Because you could be saying the nicest thing in the world, but if the person who is receiving it is not in a place to receive it, it could be taken wrong. So I'm a bit of an asshole with my words. Folders and Backwards is really a platform to help me work on this, honestly, besides my, you know, morning meditation, my morning smoke session, um, Folders and Backwards is a way for me as a spiritual life coach to work on my delivery. Because just because I'm a life coach don't mean that I'm not a regular person. I am a regular person. And besides being a regular person, I'm from the hood. You know, I have a very relaxed tongue. I use slang and I come from a big family where jokes and Fucking fun was part of our everyday. And yeah, a a big way me and my brothers communicated were through jokes. So I developed a bit of an asshole sense of humor and more than an asshole sense of humor. Humor has become a mechanism for me to express myself when I don't want to say something that can be taken wrong or, you know, when I know I'm saying something 
that can be taken the wrong way. You know, you got to, again, you got to know who you're talking to. You got to know what you're saying. Everyone isn't always ready, willing, or able to hear your message the way you, you know, the way you're going to say it. So I'm known for using humor to cope things. I'm known for using sarcasm to draw attention to things. I'm known for over-exaggerating to really put emphasis on something when I think it's important and I, you know, I need you to focus without taking it the wrong way. And things are a big part of that. I love cliches. I love cliches. Cliches by definition, fuck, I forgot. I did look it up before um, I started, but this is like take four or five. So I did not remember. And I'm not going to lie, I really don't feel like pulling up a tab right now, guys. I hope y'all can just float with me. Most of us know what cliches are. Um, easily or lightly, roughly explain cliches are the shit that we done heard 50 million times in our life. Those sayings that we know, but we just don't give a fuck about when it comes to applying to our own life. Yeah, that's pretty much like the hood definition of a cliche. Shit that you already know. Shit that you done heard. Stuff that people are telling you in cute little snazzy ways, but you already fucking know. You just don't give a fuck at the time. And then there's ideams um, or ideams. I don't know how you pronounce it. I think it's idioms. I know it's spelled I-D-I-O-M, but it's pronounced I-D-E-E-M. So it's ideem. Yeah. Right? Idem. Whatever. But then it's those, right? And those are things where the meaning is completely different from the saying. Again, these are rough my interpretations of them. Bottom line is, I love them. They give character <laughs> to conversations. <coughs> Sometimes they're so obviously annoying, depending on when they're said and how they're said, that you can't help but just... <coughs> Stop whatever it is you're doing and just think like, shit, <laughs> maybe I am welling or maybe I am over-exaggerated. Maybe it's not that serious. Um, yeah. So today, that's what I, I want to run through a couple of my favorites and more than just, you know, going through them. I want to explain why I love them and how they can be used to just be a better you. Self-embedment to ease anxiety or to, you know, just come to grips with the fact that you're just in the moment. Um, yeah, I want to run through some of them real quick. So my favorite one, hands down, probably at least off the top of my head. Well, I got my list off the top of my head when I was writing my list is you are what you eat. You are what you eat. How many times have people said that to you? How many times have you heard that when you go to the doctor, take your kids to the um, pediatric clinic, 
is all over the place. You see, you are what you eat, and you see the big fat silhouette of a person, and they're filled with potato chips and cups of soda, and you know, hot dogs and cheeseburgers and candy, and then you see the skinny, happy, athletic-shaped person, and they're just packed with green leafy vegetables and you know, apples and oranges and fucking fruits and you know, all kinds of just good shit, right? <laughs> I love that saying because it's very true. No, you're not literally what you eat, even though, I mean, in a sense, if you look at the pictures, it's kind of true. All the unhealthy stuff is kind of like wide and it's cheap. And people who consume high amounts of wide-shaped foods usually end up wide-shaped. <laughs> I mean, no judgment. Go Find me on Facebook. Backtrack to pics that I'm tagged in from younger ages, before there was social media. Oh, I was a chunky monkey. That's where my daughter name come from. Like I said, she's following up just like me. Like we, we, we start off big. The girls in my family start off big, end up tall and shapely. The guys in my family start off small and thin and they end up tall and muscular. It's just my genetics. I try not to worry about it too much, but unfortunately, the doctors be making an OD big deal out of it. And, you know, health is always important. Being overweight or being of a larger size isn't a problem if you're healthy. The same way being thin isn't a problem if you're healthy. You can be too skinny. There are plenty of health issues that occur from not having an adequate amount of muscle and fat on a body. So you are what you eat. Why, how can, how does that apply to self-embedment? Well, let's think about what food really is. Food is a source of energy. That's what calories are. Calories are dividends of energy used by the body. So if something has 90 calories, it's giving you 90 like little pellets of energy to make it through your day. On average, they say a, um, a diet should have 100, or well, this is in the West, in um, the States, other countries have different, you know, health and dietary restrictions and recommendations. And honestly, a lot of theirs, from what I'm seeing, especially over in Europe, shout out to my European listeners, but um, yeah, the guidelines is a lot more stricter. In Japan, I don't know what the got the strictness of the guidelines, but I know the overall diet is absolutely amazing. They eat a lot of seafood, they eat a lot of fermented foods, and the result is um Japan has some of the highest fucking rates of longevity. It's common for ancestors for the elders to live like past hundred out there as they're here in the States, what? The average American is estimated to live to about 86. <coughs> <coughs> all because we all will eat. If we ain't eating shit that's good for us, our body won't be good for us. Our body will always respond in kind. What we, how we treat our body is how our bodies will treat us. 
And what we put into our body is what our bodies will give us back in return. It's our fuel. Food tastes good. Food smells good. Food can be a treat. Um, it could be comfort. You know what I'm saying? There's levels to everything. But <clears throat> it's natural and organic purpose. It's it's purpose. Fuck. On any on of life is to provide fuel to other living beings, humans and animals alike. Therefore, when I when we say you are what you eat, you really are. If you are eating, okay, my personal dietary goal is to become raw vegan. At this point, I've cut out basically all meat except for fish. Some people will argue that fish is not meat. Fish is still fucking meat. It got eyes, it lives, it breathes, it bleeds. That's fucking meat. Um, and I still eat meat byproducts, eggs, milk, cheese, yogurt, etc. But, okay, with that being said, the purpose of me aspiring to raw veganism is because I do, I believe you are what you eat. I am a living body. Therefore, I believe, and I, through personal experience, trial and error, fasting, and pushing myself to new dietary limits and practice and discipline, I have went on spouts where I was only consuming what is considered living foods. What is a living food? Food that is still considered alive. Fruits are still considered uh, anything uncooked. Fruits and vegetables, not anything. Fruits and vegetables uncooked are considered alive. Think about a rose. A rose grows in your garden. You take your shears, you snip it, snip it on an angle, not straight. You put the rose in some water. Excuse me. The rose is still alive. The rose will continue to bloom. If there are any buds on the um, stem, the buds will open up. It can be rerooted and start to, you know, reformulate an entire new plant or rose bush. It's not dead. Plants don't have, well, death itself is just a label. It's not what we think is not real. It's a transition. It's not the end. With that being said, plants experience death differently than meat, than humans and animals. They go through, um, their process of decay is different. That's why you can take the remains of a plant and use it to fertilize new growing plants. This is why you can take the manure, the, the waste from plants eating animals and use it as manure to feed the, the earth, to nourish new plants because it's nothing but plants. Plants don't rot the way meat rots. You know, if you sit a plate of vegetables, of, let's say, I want to think of something that I know mold. 
let's say a tomato. You go buy a fresh tomato, you sit it in a, on a um, plate, and then you buy a pork chop and you sit it on a plate. Don't do this. We're just running with our imagination. You just sit it there and you leave it there and you observe them. By the, um, about a day's time, the tomato's not going to look any different as to where the fucking meat is going to start looking dried out. It's going to start, you're going to start seeing the decay process as it happens almost instantly. And this could be with a pork chop, a fucking chicken wing, a steak. The, um, a week later, shit, let's not even do a whole week because that's kind of nasty to think about. Let's say three days later, your tomato, depending on the temperature of the room, your tomato might look a little wrinkled. It might have lost a little bit of its shininess and velocity. It might feel slightly soft to the touch. Lost some of that firmness. I bet you won't touch that pork chop, though. That shit going to have, by three days, it's green. It's probably forming egg capsules because maggots are coming. I don't really understand how maggots come out of meat if there's no flies to lay an egg. That's a whole other story. Let's stay on topic. Um, Yeah, so thinking about all that, and applying it to you are what you eat. On the spiritual aspect, use I vibe higher with living food in my system and raw vegans that I've had the pleasure of actually talking to and the countless ones that I watch on YouTube and read blogs and follow on social media, they all seem to have a higher elevation just energetically they think different they feel different i know once i remove dead food meat from the majority of meat from my diet i noticed i definitely didn't feel as heavy i didn't deal with depression as much i didn't deal with anxiety even my menstrual cycle seemed to not be as much as of a, of a burden aches, pains, headaches, things like that. I don't experience as often as I did when I was consuming meat. And I believe the purpose is this. Everything has an energetic signature and energy doesn't die. At the time of life for the meat that we are consuming, a lot of that meat is fucking really, really, really tortured. Imagine, because realistically, and I know I'm taking a long time on this, but I'm really passionate about diet, but food, meat that we consume from the supermarket, unless you're out there catching your own shit in a while, that shit is born and bred to be food. It's not loved. It's not given nurture from its mother. Soon as it's born, it's taken, it's given an artificial diet. It's not being fed straight from the teeth. The mom is being milk dry, literally all that milk and nourishment that should be going to the um baby is getting put in the fucking pasteurization machine to get sent to us. So by the time the meat is slaughtered and put on our plate, think about how miserable it was, how sad it was. Think about the process of its death. There was no mourning. There was no care, no consideration. Even there's a whole documentary, um, even a lot of halal food that is supposed to be slaughtered humanely and with grace. 
is done really, really fucked up. Their lives are fucked up. They, they're imprisoned in these little teeny cages. Anyway, if you are what you eat and you're eating something that lived a miserable existence and died a horrible one, that energy is going to be within you. And yeah, you're going to go and take a shit in a couple of hours and get it out of you, but it lingers. We already know about colon cleanses and things like that. Like food lingers, the energy of it sinks with us. And if you're going to sink with anything, try to sink more with stuff that vibes on a level that you want to be. Be the energy you want to attract. Eat food that represents you. You are alive. You are vibrant. You are healthy. You are full of life. You are full of color and fragrance and you know, possibility. Yet the food you eat should represent what you are because it is what you are. It becomes what you are. You're taking it into yourself, literally into your body. You are becoming one with it, even if it's just for a couple of hours. So yes, you are what you eat is one of my favorite, favorite, favorite cliches. And I'm gonna try my best not to spend as much time on the rest of them. My next favorite cliche is, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Stand up. No, let me stop. But um, I love that song. And I love that saying because it's extremely, extremely true. We feel like we break a lot in life. We go through things that just seem like, oh, my fucking God, I'm not going to make it. Somebody pray for me. Somebody get me. I mean, I don't have the strength for this. I'm not built for this. I need an escape route. If you're listening to this, guess what? You survived it, no matter what it was. Heartbreak, financial trauma, physical trauma, mental trauma, um, a disposition of your home, loss of a limb, health problems. What does not kill you makes you stronger, no matter how fragile of a state you find yourself in afterwards. You survived it. That's strength in itself. There's always a healing period after everything, even after something good. Trauma is trauma. And just because you may have been traumatized or you are traumatized and you are healing and you are working through something, do not never, ever, ever minimize your experience and the strength that was gained through surviving that experience. What does not kill you? will make you stronger. It will make you smarter. It will make you mentally more prepared, emotionally more capable, more able. Fucking, it takes away fear going through something hard. You know what I mean? Think of the hardest things you go through, you've ever been through. I think about the loss of my sons. I think about the loss of friends. I think about being in court because I couldn't fucking pay my rent before. Like really fearing that I was gonna lose my fucking crib and not have nowhere to take my children. Or rather I live in New York, so not to say it like it's nothing, but realistically there is a shelter system and I'm not too proud of that. Like a bitch would have been in that bitch immediately. I wouldn't have my kids on no bench anyway. But with that being said, even that would have been a testimony of strength. Everything is strength. Walking in that fucking courtroom asking for more time is strength. Getting three fucking jobs to hustle up the fucking bread to be able to pay my back rent with strength. You know what I'm saying? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. 
we have to remember that it was just a moment in time. Everything is a moment. And once we pass that moment, yeah, we passed. A fucking plus, bitches. Like, we passed. Fuck out of here. All that downplaying, oh, this happened to me, and as a result, I'm just this, and I'm just that. And No, you're just a survivor. Like, stop playing the victim role. That victim shit keeps you in the bullshit. It doesn't mean that you're broken. It just means that you're refusing to leave the fucking bullshit. Traumatization is not supposed to last forever. It's supposed to be part of the experience. And we're all supposed to get past this, past everything. It's strength. The only thing that's going to kill you is death, is your death, your physical death. And even that, it will not kill you. It will put an end to your physical existence here and now. You won't be dead, though. So what doesn't kill you make you strong, will, will make you stronger. I love that saying. It, I love, like I said, I love the song. I'm mad I don't, can't think of who sings it right now. But um, yeah, it's a good reminder that even though, and I know a lot of people say that shit during the worst times. I just want to note that too. People usually say that shit at the absolute worst times. Part of why it's one of my favorite sayings. Because usually when someone says it, you don't want to hear that shit. <laughs> usually when it's said, it's usually said at a moment when you absolutely do not want to hear it. But I promise that is the exact moment that you need to hear it. Um, The next one I want to move on to. And I need to find my backwards and roll up another blunt. I got 10 of these, y'all. I'm going to try to get them done. The next one I want to talk about is mind over matter. Um, First of all, I got to tell you how simple I was as a kid. When I heard mind over matter when I was a child, I used to think like mind over matters. Like whatever you think, you know, your mind is more important than what's happening right now. And that little simple ideology it got on my nerve, but it actually did help me a lot. Now that I'm older, I understand it's matter. And I know what matter is. Matter is substance. I also know, yeah, y'all heard, I still got that fucking virus shit. I swear to God. Don't pay for virus protection, guys, because it doesn't work. Anyway, um, mind over matter. I love that saying now as an adult because I understand it a lot better. This is an existence of duality. Everything has an equal and opposite counterpart. When I think of mind over matter now, I think of energy over matter. I think of consciousness over substance. I think of emotion over action. Mind over matter is a powerful, 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 powerful saying. Or oh, I think this one is under the, I should have noted which ones was idioms and which ones were cliches. I believe the first two were cliches, and this is an ideal. But mind over matter doesn't have anything to do with mind. And, well, it has everything to do with mind and matter, but it's bigger than just mind and matter. Energy is the, the opposite equal counterpart to matter. 
That's what this whole world is based on. Everything is either made of energy or is made of matter or it's a combination of the two. In the Kabbalah, in most spiritual diagrams of what existence or the levels of existence in the chakra system, the root chakra is the head, you know, the physical representation as the crown located in the head. I should have said the root is located in the base of the bum. Sometimes it's shown in the feet, but it's, you know, the lowest part of you, which is technically your bum, but your bum bum. Anyway, um, yeah. Minds matter, East, I mean, mind, ether, consciousness, those non-seen energies that govern the universe are considered higher up than matter, physicality, body. Those are lower on the spectrum. So when you think of mind over matter, you have to, or when you hear someone say to you, mind over matter, keep in your mind that consciousness is the key. Consciousness, thought, emotion, energy, the way you think will control everything else and continuing down to your physical actions, your physical appearance, your physical decisions, the things you attract, the things you repel. Always. And that's what mind over matter for me boils down to. You have to always think. You have to always allow higher self to kick in and play a role in what you're doing. Because if not, you're going to just act. It's just going to be a physical response. And we already discussed how when you're just doing shit, and you don't know why, you don't have no guidance, there's no plan of action, you're just doing shit spontaneously and randomly um, or off an impulse and without, you know, real judgment, you usually end up doing something you regret. You usually end up doing something that'll slow down the overall process to happiness. And the best way to avoid that is to remember mind over matter. When things get hard, when you're in a tight situation, when you're in a, a perspective of no way out, remember, this is physical. This is only part of the equation. Your mental, emotional, and spiritual body will be your guide. You just have to utilize it properly. That's why I love that saying, mind over matter. Or this next saying falls under cliches, I believe. Um, I like this one. It's not, um, you know, one of my absolute favorites, but only because it has, all right. Only because in this physical life, I'm not really a card player. 
But <laughs> if, um, you know, you take away the concept, you know, you got to think outside of the bubble sometimes, guys. Just because we're talking about cards doesn't mean it's actually about cards. But um, this next saying that um, you got to play your cards right or play your cards right. I absolutely love that, especially in the terms of making decisions. I'm always telling everyone, I always will tell everyone, we are gods of our own universe. We have the ability to create and destroy as we see fit. Um, but in that same notion, this is a shared universe and existence and other people, other gods, other energies are at work at the exact same time. And, you know, things mesh, people mesh. And sometimes you have to deal with other, most times, a lot of times, you got to deal with other people, other gods, other emotions, other situations that have occurred due to their ability to create and destroy. And life provides its tools. Um, Kuro, elements, instincts, people, places, things, ideas. We have all these tools and equipment in our magic toolbox to, you know, help us shape our best existence. But the same way when you're fixing a sink, you have to know what are the best tools to use. Like you don't want to go and try to fix your pipe with a drill. Right? What the fuck is a drill going to do for a pipe but put a hole in it and make the situation worse? The same way you're not going to try to mount the TV on your wall using a fucking um, a nail tech. You know what I'm saying? Play your cards right. We are all given tools, cheat codes, fucking assistance. Um, I love, I've been watching you over the weekend. I love you. Y'all know I'm a cartoon. Those regular listeners, y'all know I'm a cartoon head, right? Um, yeah. So I was watching Yu-Gi-Oh this weekend. And if you're a Yu-Gi-Oh fan, then you you know what I mean? We got magic cards. We got trap cards. We got all kinds of shit in our dual decks. Like, but if you don't play them right, they're absolutely useless. I said, I'm not a card player, right? I'm not a card player. Uh, I know how to play cards. I know how to play most card games. I don't like to play cards. They're strategic and I don't make strategy moves quickly. I am an oldie thinker. I am a heavy thinker. I am one of those per- people who check my answers. Like, remember the test? Yeah, I used to check every answer. I'm one of those. So when you're playing cards, you have to be able to plan efficiently and quickly. And I don't have that skill. I can plan, but I need time. So, you know, usually I feel pressure and partner popping shit, other team popping shit. So I feel pressure and I make bad moves and I don't play my cards right. And instead of making, like saying spades, where I could have got four books, I only end up with one or two. And it's like, shit, you still got one or two? No, fuck that. The goal of everything is to get as much as you can, as easy as you can, as quickly as you can. Especially in a card game like spades, is the same thing in real life. How many times have you heard me say the road to least resistance? Like, 
It's not just about getting to the end or getting to happiness. It's about getting there quickly, easily, with the least loss of friendships, um, places, things that serve you, of course. You know what I mean? You want to get to where you want to be smoothly. And the best way to do that, or not the best way, but yeah, the best way to do that is by playing your cards right, analyzing them, seeing what's in your hand, being realistic about what life has given you, the good and the bad, and then taking that and making it work for you. Um, I keep telling y'all about this book, that book I'm reading, the uh, um, Think and Grow Rich. One of the stories have to do with um, the author's son was born deaf and they basically taught him to hear more than teaching him to hear because that ain't have nothing to do with playing your cards right I'm sorry his deafness he was able to utilize his what was considered a handicap or a limitation and make a financial living behind it as well as help others you know what I'm saying he took the cars that he was dealt with being born hearing impaired and he utilized it to make a better life for himself and he overcame that that's a whole nother you know that don't have nothing to do with playing your cards right that has to do with fucking determination persistence and shaping your life as you see fucking fit but the fact that he utilized his air quotes deficiency and was able to make a living off of it, a comfortable living off of that, as well as be of help and service to others. It's fucking amazing. That is a great example of playing your cards right. And that's what we all have to do. We got to play our cards right. We got to stop looking at our gifts, our talents, and our quote-unquote shortcomings as just shit in our life. Yeah, I can sing, so what? Yeah, I got. I can draw, so what? Yeah, I know how to look at a pile of fucking garbage and make, you know, a whole living room set. So, no, so those are your cards. You got a full fucking deck always. Play them shits properly. Oh, I got hit by a car and now I got this limp. So, fucking do something with it. Make it work for you. Everything you have in your life was given to you by the universe for you to utilize. Is it always easy to see? No, the fuck it is not. When my son died at 36 hours old, I saw no good from that. There was no way in that moment that that experience was going to make me better. Not even fucking... Eight months later, did my best friend at the time lose her newborn? How fucking amazing was it that my fucked up experience a couple of months later put me in a position to understand her hurt, provide comfort and empathy and just a shoulder to lean on? I'm grateful for my loss. Because I have been able to help not just her. Fast forward, what is it, 16, 17 years later? You know how many people I've been able to grief counsel 
and help because of my loss, I would have never in a million years thought anything good would have came from that. Ever. Play your fucking cards. Even your traumas can be beneficial. Okay, I'm going to move on with that. Um, I'm bouncing around on my list, guys. The next one that I wanted to... Oh, this is the perfect one to lean on to that since I'm talking about my baby. Time heals all. <sighs> I heard that a lot after my son died. I heard that a lot after my son died. And I promise you, I wanted to spit in everybody's face when he was saying it. Oh, time heals all. In time, you'll be okay. In time, you'll fuck out of here. That's not what you want to hear. But you know want to know something? It's mad true, though. It's mad true. Time don't make you forget. Time don't... Mm, I'm trying to close my blunt. Time don't reduce the pain or remove the trauma. But time gives you distance. And distance gives you perspective. You see things differently after time. Sometimes it's after a minute. Sometimes it's after a month. Sometimes it's after a decade. Time heals all. Because it gives you perspective. Unless you're choosing to live in that moment, then you're never going to really expand no matter how much chronological time goes by. We have to understand the power of choice, guys. If we choose to live in a moment, then that moment will last forever. I'm going to safely assume that everyone listening to this podcast is actively working on the embedment of themselves. So I think it's safe to say that you are consciously making choices to evolve and expand in your life and not let any one moment define you or trap you mentally, spiritually, emotionally, financially. Or Because a lot of moments can't trap you physically. Like you're going to get older. That's just natural. But your mind won't move. Your emotions won't move. Your finances won't move if you're trapped in one of those realms. So again, knowing that time heals all wounds, believing that time heals all wounds, trusting that time heals all wounds, even when someone says it at the absolute worst time, really is powerful. It gives you peace. Like I said, when I was hearing it at that specific phase of life and trauma, I ain't want to hear that shit. Like I said, I, re- I literally I could have spit in niggas' faces. You know what I'm saying? Shit, like, to me, it was disrespectful. Don't tell me about time when that's right now fucking sucks. But that's exactly when you need to be reminded. That's the only way to keep you out of this moment. Every moment ain't going to be the best moment, but it's just a moment, guys. Going back to, um, what was that? The second one, what doesn't kill you make you stronger? They go hand in hand. If it de- if it don't kill you, you'll be stronger afterwards. And if it didn't kill you, eventually, as a conscious, growing, expanding being, whether you're consciously 
Well, I hope you're consciously putting effort into the growth expansion or if you just flowing with the wind and expanding as life is ex- and unfolding. Again, as distance shapes, when you look back, let's do a visual, guys. Walk down the road, start at the trauma, speed down the road 50 million miles. Let's say that 50 million miles equates to 20 years chronologically. Turn around and look at that. If you could imagine it, it won't look the same. It won't look the same. How much stuff do we look back on now and laugh at that we were in tears about once upon a time? Devastated about. Time heals all. And remembering that, especially in a fit of trauma, definitely, definitely will allow you, will provide you direction for healing. Um, the next one, guys, I want to talk about is everyone has to start somewhere. Um, you know, I'm into numerology. My regular listeners rather know I'm into numerology. Um, numbers are representations. They do not exist. Everything has always been and everything will always be. Therefore, a starting point is wherever the fuck you want it to be. Everything, everyone has to start somewhere. No matter what decision you are making, what goal you are achieving, what um, pursuit you are in quest of. There has to be a starting point. Focusing on finance. A lot of people think that you're just supposed to, when you when you go after these ventures, it's just supposed to work for you. You know what I mean? Oh, I'm gonna do this, then it's gonna happen like that. Oh, I'm gonna I wanna make this amount of money and it's just gonna happen. No, there's a starting point, baby. We have to work our way up. Not just with finance, with love as well. My aspirations as a homeowner, the starting point is what? Here, renting this apartment. Just having my name on a lease. Not to say it's impossible to just start with a mortgage, but fucking baby steps. Even that is called a starter home for a reason. We all have a start. The purpose of including Everyone has to start somewhere is because I never want anyone to feel diminished by their start. Some people's start is extremely rough. Some people's start is rooted in trauma, in disaster, in loss, in heartbreak, um, in death. You know, some people want a start. And don't know where to look for it. A start is in you. It's in your mind. It's the idea. Mind over matter. Ooh, I didn't even realize how all this is going to start clicking in with each other. I like that though. But that's the start. And you don't need anything to start but yourself. No matter what it is. No matter how big the task is. And that's another reason why I put that Um Everyone has to start somewhere because all of us have big goals. I'm going to safely assume that again with the level of consciousness and awareness and the desire of self-embedderment. I'm assuming my listeners have or aspire to. 
we have big dreams, no matter what the dreams are. Big to you don't have to be big to me. My big is really not big to many people. And I always find it so funny because to me, it's fucking huge. But it has to start. Nothing just finishes. Any start. Every start can happen at any time, at any moment, you decide. You is God of your own universe. If you decide, I'm going to lose 250 pounds, that is the start. That was the decision. Everything you do after that should reflect that start. Don't get discouraged um, a month later, like, damn, I only lost seven pounds. I ain't doing shit. No. You're on your way to what you want to do. Even when you set um, time frames. We have to be easy on ourselves. Even when we set the most realistic time frames. And we have to be realistic with our progress. I recently was doing a self-evaluation on my five-year plan. And I caught myself feeling a little bit small. Like, damn. I'm not really where I need to be to meet my goal at the same, you know, by year five. And then I meditated on it and it was revealed to me, bitch, you are very, very, very close to your goal. Remember what your goal is. Don't get distracted by things that come with the goal. And As you are in pursuit of it, never downplay or discourage anything that you're doing. Never minimize the accomplishments and the talents and the effort, rather, because they're part of the journey and they're proof that you did more than just start, that you have started and that you're, you know, well on your way. You're in the right direction. If you notice any hurdles, Deal with them, work with them, remove them. It's really, you know, not that hard. If you find yourself off track, restart. You don't have to go back to that start. Start again right then and there. A lot of us, especially with fitness goals, we set a goal or even with financial goals. And the minute we get knocked off track, We're just so discouraged. We think we got to start all the way from zero. Well, guess what? We're always at zero because there's no such thing as numbers. There's no real way to chart anything that you're doing. Growth is always happening, which means it's always the beginning. Everything is a start. Even when you succeed and quote unquote complete your task, that's just the start of a new task or the start of The next idea, everyone has a start. And I think that's really important to remember when we're shaping our best existence and going for our, you know, whatever makes us happy. We all got to start somewhere and we're all always starting over and over and over. Okay, so keep going down the list. I have don't cry over spilled milk. Um, I love that saying. One, because I'm extremely clumsy. And two, I'm a crybaby. I'm a complainer. I'm a whiner. I'm not going to lie. I know some of y'all are like, she's a spiritual life coach. 
How is that? I am. It's me. I acknowledge it. Um, I've learned to make fun of it for the most part and of myself when I catch myself doing it. So that way I can redirect the energy to something higher. But it is me. I'm working on it. What the fuck? I'm a crybaby and I'm clumsy. And yeah, you can't cry over spilt milk. I literally, I remember, no lie, I literally cried over milk. I was pregnant. I was mad emotional. Don't judge me. But yeah, and it's funny because when I cried over it, I heard it in my head. Don't cry over spilled milk. And all I could do is laugh. Like, really bust out laughing, looking at the milk as it's dripping off the counter onto the floor. Like, I'm crying because it was the last of the milk and I really, really wanted the milk. My nausea was really bad and milk was like the only thing that would coat my stomach properly so I can actually hold, not even let me hold the milk a meal down. My thing was drink the, the milk, throw the milk up and then my stomach would be, you know, relaxed and I could actually eat something. So that was the last of the milk and it spilled and I couldn't drink it, which means if I ate, I was going to throw up my food and I was going to still be hungry. So my emotional, hormonal ass was boo-boo crying. And again, how yourself kicked in. Don't cry over spilled milk. At the end of the day, it's already spilled. You got to clean it up. You're standing there crying and the milk will just keep on dripping. Now you're going to have to clean up off the floor and off the counter. Have you just, you know, like you're prolonging, first of all, the inevitable, which is cleaning up the fucking mess you made. And... You're not prolonging it, doing anything. It's not like I'm prolonging the cleanup to go to the store to get more milk. So that way I have the milk that I wanted. No, I'm standing there just wasting time, letting shit get worse, wallowing in my, you know, my pity. I wanted my milk. I love that saying because too often we throw pity parties for ourselves. And while attending what is usually a party for one, Shit is getting worse. At the end of the day, shit happens. Literally, you eat, you shit. It happens. We fuck up. This is life. This is life. We can't just stop and be on stuck and feel bad and sad and mad and all other kinds of dumbass vibrations that are low and heavy and stagnant and just keep us in our position instead of keeping us active to do what we got to do to make things better. Don't cry over spilled milk. When shit happens, it happens. Acknowledge it. Fix it as best as you can. If you can't, because some things can't be repaired. I mean, at the end of the day, what you're going to do? Squeeze the sponge out and, ew, that's nasty, and drink the milk? No. Clean it up. You pour it out. Go, you get new milk, right? Shit happens. You might not like it. The store might be closed. You might have to drive to the fucking 24-hour. Well, I'm in New York, so the 24-hour store is like four blocks away. Just got to take a little 10-minute walk. But whatever the case is, it might be inconveniencing to what you wanted. But if you really wanted something, i.e. this cup of milk, fucking get the milk. Clean up the fucking mess. Get the fucking milk. Go back to bed. Like, it's not that serious. Like, we make big deals over the littlest shit. And by making such a big deal, especially if you're like a full-blown 
over exaggerator and now you're stopping. Oh, I fucked the nails. It's always me. <laughs> like now you're looting it. Now you're just like really harnessing, manifesting, and just playing with negative energy, right? And amplifying it ultimately. You know, fuck around and, and all that ranting and raving, bang the wall, flaring your arms, or kick something, and now you're really gonna be hurt and mad. But yeah, so don't cry over spilled milk. The next one I want to get to is Time Flies While Having Fun. I absolutely love that. It's so true, as you can see, because we're like 45 minutes in and I still have two more to go after this one. I love the saying time flies when you're having fun because it's one of the most truthful sayings in the world. I used to only recall time lapses from childhood. Oh, that's when they were like most relevant. I mean, as an adult, when you're still plugged into the matrix, it's kind of hard to have real fun. You have planned fun, organized fun, things that seemingly fun, but real, like fun, core wrenching, mind, body, soul aligned fun where you lose all track of time. That's kind of hard for adults in the matrix. Gratefully, I've unplugged and I experience it a lot more now, which is so cool, but really annoying because they said, I am an adult still. I still exist within the matrix and niggas got shit to do and I can't just be zoned out. You know what I mean? Having a fucking ball. But at the same time, I can be zoned out and have a fucking ball because this is my existence. And if that means I got to stay up to two, three o'clock in the morning to get work done, I have no problem with that. Those are choices I make. That's my life. Anyway, but time flies when you're having fun. And that is a very, very beautiful concept. Like I said, I remember being the kid going outside right after school. And it's like, soon as the game get going, the lights is, you know, in the hood is coming on. It's starting to get dark. You know, it's time to go home. I had a seven o'clock curfew. Let me not even lie and exaggerate. That was for all y'all, all the people who actually were on that street. Like that was, I don't, that's an urban thing. I think the whole street lights is your time frame. Now you younger people are probably gonna stuck. Like why wasn't y'all just looking at your phones? You didn't have phones. So, you know, you had to ask the adults what time it was. I had a watch, but I think I lost it. I'm at least trying to get us little Casio watches. And we used to stay losing them. So, you know, stuff like that determines when it was about time to get your ass upstairs. If you notice the um street lights inside the hood turning on, when you notice that the sun was setting, yeah, it's getting late. Bring your ass upstairs for you get it whipped. But you'd be so mad. Like, fuck, I just got out here. Be so confused. I just got outside. No, you've been outside for five hours, fool. Time flies when you're having fun. And that's important to remember because, one, it plays a big role in the physical aspect of immortality. None of us will physically live forever in these bodies. The bodies are temporary meat suits and tools to navigate ultimately through this physical experience. But while we're in this physical experience, we can make so many memories. We will make so many memories. And the memories we make as they replay 
plays a role in physical immortality. You can zone back on a memory and get caught up in its sight, smells, feelings, and truly relive that moment. That's y'all hear my dog snoring. Coco is so lazy. Like she's an old lady. Let me not call her lazy. She is an old lady. But um, yeah. Having the maximum amount of positive experiences to me equates a happy life. And having the maximum amount of happy experiences maximizes the amount of happy recalls or memories we can have. And when we're caught up in happy moments that seem to only be for a second in this physical realm, but really time just passed us by, the whole day went by in our joy, bliss, and wonder. When we recall it, we recall it in this actual time frame. And it does, it feels good. It allows you so much time to re-invoke so much of that positivity, that happiness. And it's also a really great indication of when you are unhappy, when you are not on high vibrations. Time flies when you're having fun. So if you find yourself living a life that just seems so long, just so tiresome, that you're just dragged out, that's a very, very, very big indication that you're not on the road of least resistance. Because least resistance means fast. You're pure on time flies when you're having fun. You'll be moving fast as you're navigating through life happily. So if you find yourself moving through life slowly, remember that thing and realize that you're not having fun, that your life is being dragged out. And a down negative, like physical repercussion of your life being dragged is your organs aging a lot faster than your body, your mind aging a lot faster than your body, your emotions draining a lot faster than your body. Because chronologically, you're still moving on this understood 24-hour time clock, but your body is just dragging your innards. And you would think that means, oh, they're going to be younger. But no, it's like the reversal. The same way when time flies and you're having fun, your body seems to be younger. You're moving so fast that your organs, your emotions, and I don't really know how to fully explain it, but it kind of stands still. People who live happy lives have very young vital organs, have very young personalities, have very young energetic flows and emotional um, stamina along with the physical stamina. It's just something to think about. I know I'm looting it with the time, so I'm going to keep moving on. Let's bust these last two out. I love you guys for listening. Word. I hope you're having fun with this one. Um, Shit, these are the best two uh, as far as ending things out. Okay, I want to pick this one first. The road to hell is paved in good intentions. I love to hate that saying because what the fuck does that mean? It means exactly what it says. If hell was a physical place, the road to getting there would definitely be paved in good intentions. Why? Because most of us, our good intentions are fucking selfish as fuck. 
we like to mask um, the things we do for ourselves <laughs> by saying we're doing them for others. And usually by doing so, we screw ourselves over. We end up without the result that we were looking for. We do not end up in the destination, this nirvana, this place of gloat, of appreciation, of I'm on the pedestal waving at the peasants and everyone is just looking up at my marvel. Oh, I she did it for me. He did it for me. He is the greatest. He always comes through. No bullshit. The road to hell is paved in good intentions because, like I said, most people, their intentions are fucking selfish. And you confront like you're doing something for someone else. And then when you do it and, you know, you don't get what you wanted out of it, which was the real reason why you did it. Now you're fucking mad. Now you're angry. Now you're running around with the devil on your back with an attitude and a chip on your shoulder, probably popping shit about everything you done did for somebody, how people are ungrateful. No, you're ungrateful. You're ungrateful for the opportunity that you had to actually help somebody. You took advantage of it, tried to help yourself, and now you're fucking mad because you shitted on yourself. The road to hell is paved in good intentions. When you are going to do something, make sure that your intent is really good. Make sure you are ready willing and able to do it when you do something good for someone in all honesty after the feel good because even that is doing it for a reason there's a little high that does come from knowing you help somebody this is a universal law there is a universal law of oneness i talk about it all the time we're all connected so to help someone does help yourself to know you did something that makes someone feel good that made their life a little bit better is really a good feeling i think i made a whole i believe one of the earliest podcasts i made is um happiness through helpfulness i believe in that i preach it i love helping people i'm aware how selfish my helping is though i know it makes me feel good i know because when i can't help people it makes me feel bad so obviously helping people make me feel good. And I do get off on that to an extent. I don't only help people to make myself feel good. It's not the like if I help you and the result is I'm going to be hurt. Am I not going to do it? Fuck no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to hurt myself for you to be helped. That would have to be a subconscious decision. Like, oh my God, jump in front of a bullet type shit. You know, when you just don't think you act. But for the most part, everything we do has an underlying selfish reason. Why ego was just shaped that way. Don't take it personal. Don't sit there and get defensive. Oh, nah, Ed, that's just you. I do shit because I'm nice and I just want to help. That's your ego. It's, it's just trying to make you feel better about the fact that you're selfish. We're all selfish. We're all selfish. Connected to everyone, yes, but we're still individuals. Self-preservation is always our main conscious goal, and we all always want to feel good. Some of us, most of us, like to look good. And out of that percent, the majority of people who like to look good like other people to know they look good. Like, you want to be recognized. And when you do something and you're not recognized, your ego isn't stroked. 
you end up in hell, so to say. And that's why the road to hell is pays in good intentions. And the last one, oh my God, y'all made it. I made it. I didn't lose too much train of thought. Um, we're here. Again, I love you guys for listening. This was a long one, but this was really fucking fun. The last one is one that took me a really long time to understand. And I think a lot of people don't fully understand it or the power behind it or how to use it for their best existence. If you can't beat them, join them. Honest to God, when I thought about this, when I put it on a list, it was so many little cliff notes and side thoughts I wanted to add to it. But seeing that we're pushing an hour into this podcast, I'm not even going to OD, but I'm going to OD. If you can't beat them, join them. What I thought that meant was what it, that's a idiom. That's not a cliche. That's an idiom. What it means has nothing to do with what it says. And if you listen to what it says, you're going to find yourself usually in a fucked up place, unhappy, um, trying to fit in whether it's physically, emotionally, mentally, financially, where you don't want to be. If you can't beat them, join them. Does not mean that if you cannot physically beat them, if we're talking about, you know, a physical attempt, if you cannot supersede them in a goal, in an accomplishment, in a task, to join them in their task. That's not what it means. It doesn't mean that if someone can beat you up to befriend them so that way they can stop beating you up. It doesn't mean that if you can't supersede a financial goal of another company to give up on your dream and now work for the company. It doesn't mean that if you are trying to think of another comparison. Regular listeners know I'm not that good with that. So let's just leave those two. A lot of us here, if you can't beat them, join them. That that's really what it means. That's not what it means. It means that there's no competition in the first place. Therefore, you can never beat someone. The only way you can join someone in greatness is to establish your own. You will never beat anyone. Trying is obsolete. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy. It's a waste of fucking mental capacity and strength. The idiom of if you can't beat them, join them is to actually encourage and push you to stay in your fucking lane. That should have been on that list too. Stay in your lane. <laughs> I like that one. But um, yeah. You're not supposed to be competing against nobody. Everyone is in their own lane. And if you took a minute to stop being in your ego and stop being in this low pit of want and desire and actually observe a person being in their own lane, in their own greatness and made the choice 
to not join them in their lane, in their greatness, but to acknowledge your own lane and your own greatness and your own position. That's what that idiom means, at least to me, in my revelations and understandings of it. When people tell me or when I hear people say, if you can't beat them, join them, I automatically think to compliment someone else's greatness with my own. I've always been competitive, but mostly with self. Um, you know, I love healthy competition. I love a healthy debate when it's mutual and agreed upon and, you know, has the set established rules. But to just make my own competition with someone who doesn't even realize that this is a fucking race, I don't do that. I raced my yesterday. I raced my 10 years ago. And I'm usually cheered on by my 20-year-old, my 20-year-ago, you know, like my little version. Just making, you know, a, a, a visual of it all. If you can't beat them, join them. Is not encouraging you to partake in something that is not of your own success. That is not of your own greatness. It is not telling you to join a gang because you're scared of the gang. It is not telling you to be a part of your fears. It is telling you to stay separate from them. It is not telling you to milk off of someone else's finances or to be pushed and driven by the goals of others, but to be inspired and to create and shape your own goals, desires, and happiness and be confident in them and be persistent in them. That is what it means. I said enough. I'm going to wrap this up. I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope each one resonated. I hope you guys, um, you know, like I hope it made sense. I hope you guys had fun with this. Like I said, this was a long one. I dead ass. If you are here at this moment still, you really must have enjoyed it. And I did too. Real live shit. This was dead ass fun. I love you guys for listening. Um, Anchor allows you, Spotify, I believe also, or whatever outlet you're listening to, there's some way to leave a comment. If you're able to, leave me a voice comment, a text comment. Let me know what your favorite cliche, what your favorite idiom is that motivates you to just be a better you. I love you guys for listening. Much I say. Namaste. Happy Monday. Later, guys.